Ephesians chapter 6. I hope you brought your Bible with you today. Ephesians chapter 6. Making the most of your workplace. It wasn't long ago when we had a special Men of God bi-monthly Bible study having to do with this issue of you and your workplace. And uh, today we can't cover all of that because of time. But nevertheless, these principles are very important ones. You notice in Ephesians 6 verse 5. First, let me read this. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Now the word servant here is the Greek word doulos, and it means a slave. Now when we think of saying, yeah, that's how I feel where I work. I feel like I'm a slave, you know. I feel like I'm one of those under rowers there in the Ben-Hur movie where then they're, hey, hey, you know, chained to your post. We don't know really a lot about slavery in our country today. Listen, don't get angry at that and talk about, well, you don't know my heritage and all this kind of stuff. Look, let me ask you this. Are you a slave? Are you a slave? Are you being beaten and starved and brutalized by your employer? And by the way, if you are, you should probably get a different job than that. But it has been said, just in the way of background, it has been said that about one-third of the population in the Roman Empire was slaves. A third of the population, which is approximately 60 million individuals. When you're tempted to complain about your workplace, it could be a lot worse. While not all the slaves were Christians, many of them were, such as Onesimus. Pastor Dave recently preached on him out of the book of Philemon. Onesimus was Philemon's slave. Now, not all slaves were treated the same way. Some were basically, they were like members of the family. That's how they were treated. They were treated well. They were cared for. They were provided not only a place to stay, but also food and clothing. And, and basically, they were like a member of the family. And so it wasn't all, you know, we think of slavery and we think of torture and whipping and beating and chains and all of that. Not all slaves were that way. I know that is part of the history of slavery. And it's deplorable and it's evil and it's wicked. And it certainly isn't the way God wants it to be, as we see in our text today. But in our society in which we live in America, the issue is not so much slavery, but it is, if we could kind of uh, crank that down a little bit, it is the employee and the employer, okay? The employee and the employer. If you're a boss, you're an employer. If you work for a boss, you're an employee, For those of us who live in America, this passage is more applicable in that way. And so that's the approach we're going to take in uh, 2022. Now, while some places are great places to work, many times there can be real challenges, especially if you're a Christian working in an unchristian or anti-Christian even environment or ungodly one at the least. Often the culture of your workplace is not godly. It can be very ungodly. And things are only going to get worse, by the way. Hate to tell you that, but that is the truth of it. Because society is unraveling and things are going downhill morally. And so places of employment are going to get more difficult. And there's going to be more dirty talk and backstabbing and disloyalty and fighting and bickering and jealousy and stomping and stepping on people to go to the top and all of that. You're going to see more of that as time goes on. 
So as believers, though, how do we make the best of our job and workplace? Well, let me say this at the beginning. The answer isn't always quit your job and start your own business. For those who have started their own business, there are incredible challenges for the person who runs their own business. And don't think it's all, you know, uh, happy and ice cream and apple pie and joy and everything's great. You're the boss. You're the king of the mountain. And everything's good. Everything's easy for you. Uh, That is often not the case. The pressure is tremendous for those who lead businesses. And uh, yeah, while they may end up getting paid more, tell you what, what they're doing is certainly worth more money because uh, most people wouldn't want to do that work for themselves. Now, some people enjoy it, and it depends on the type of job you have. But if you're working for somebody else, as most people are, which is, by the way, not too bad, because if you're working for somebody else, when you go home at the end of the day, you can leave your work, hopefully. But when your boss goes home at the end of the day, it follows him home and haunts him, sometimes all night, and he doesn't sleep. If you're working for somebody else, in some ways, count your blessing that you can have that cut off many times. How do we make the best of our job or workplace? Ephesians 6, verse 5. Servants, when you see servants today, let's think in terms of employees. Servants, be obedient to them who are your masters according to the flesh. Servants, employees, masters, employers. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Remember, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the main person of loyalty and accountability in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. In society, he gives us many areas where there's authority to be submitted to, obedient to, and so on, okay? In no realm of society is there unbridled power. It doesn't matter if it's the church, the workplace, government, the family, the marriage, no unbridled power. Everybody one day is going to answer to God himself, saved and lost people now, everybody one day will answer to God himself for how they followed the principles in the word of God. If I work for a man that was less than perfect, I should be doing the very best job I possibly could and can, regardless of how he is, because I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for Christ. I will answer one day on how I did my job. Did I do it in a godly, honorable way? That's kind of the bottom line of this passage. You notice, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, as unto Christ. So number one, what is the employee's responsibility? Well, simple. It's right there. To be obedient to your employer. Yeah, but you don't know. No, no, wait, wait, let's stop. This is what it says. The only time we have the right to be disobedient to our employer is if that employer wants us to do something that is against the word of God. Not a preference on our part, something that is against the word of God. In other words, let's say you work in accounting or something, or you deal with spreadsheets and, and, uh, or something like that. And your boss comes in and says, Hey, you know, I know these are the numbers, but what I want you to do is I want you to change these a little bit and make it this way to where it works out like this and all that. Okay. That's dishonest. He's wanting you to cheat. He's wanting you to steal. You might say, what do you do in a situation like that? You appeal 
You appeal in humility and kindness, and you say to your employer, you know, sir, I I really want to do, or ma'am, depending, oh, who knows? Some women get offended if you call them ma'am. Ma'am, what do you think I am? Anyway, you, hey, you, does that work? Hey, you, now we've got all the stuff about the uh, food blender of pronouns that's going on in our society today. What are you? Well, I'm not a he, I'm not a she. What are you? I'm a they. Wait a minute, there's only one of you. How can you be a they? That's plural. Well, I'm an it. (laughs) That works. (laughs) Oh boy, people aren't going to like that. Okay, here we go. You know, we have so complicated things, haven't we, huh? Look in the mirror. Okay, enough on that. Your job is to be obedient, and if they want you to do something that's against the Word of God, you say, you know, whatever they are, I respect you as my employer, and I want to be the best employee I can be, but you're asking me to do something that, according to my beliefs, it violates them. It's against what the Bible teaches. I'm a Christian. It's against what the Bible teaches. I want to do what you want me to do, but I can't because I don't think that's right. They may fire you. Then again, they might just and walk away. But, you know, if they walk away and they don't fire you, you've made an impression on them that somewhere down the road may come back as a very positive thing in that person's life. I'm getting ahead of myself, but just keep that in mind. I'm covering that on the front end. I didn't plan on it, but I felt it was important. So what is the employee's responsibility? To be obedient to your employer. That means you do what you are told. To be obedient means you do what you're told to do. To listen. The word obedient means to listen, to attend to, to obey. You know, I want you to clean up the break room today. You don't say to them, that's not in my job description. You say, okay, I'll take care of it. Wow, wait, but that isn't my job. Wait a minute, folks. Are they paying you? Do it. Not a big deal. Not a big deal, okay? Well, I've got more dignity than that. Is that your spirit talking or your flesh talking? Remember this, and I will use the term he just to simplify it for this little mind, okay? He did you a favor when he hired you. There was a time when you didn't have a job. He was kind enough to hire you. He didn't have to provide for you to meet your needs. He didn't have to do that. He said, no, I've got no openings. He could have done that, but he didn't. He hired you. The last thing somebody who runs a business needs is for their employees to be headaches to them. They didn't hire you to be a headache. That wasn't in the job description. Therefore, what we need to do is we need to do what we're asked or told to do. The company has hired you and has expectations. When you were hired, you agreed to those expectations. Otherwise, you should not have taken the job. You notice we do it here in in Ephesians, we do it as unto Christ. In other words, when you obey your employer, you are obeying God, for God is the one who told you to obey your employer. I say, well, I don't like what he told me to do. What does God want you to do? Well, he wants me to obey my employer. Then quit talking about it. Do it with the right attitude as unto the Lord. Do it for the Lord. Don't do it for your employer necessarily. Well, I don't like them. Okay, do it for the Lord. 
Maybe they're unlikable. Maybe they're obnoxious. Maybe they're unreasonable. Do right as a Christian. Do right. Hold your place here and look at another passage having to do with this. Look at Colossians chapter 3. And by the way, I was not born in a church. I wasn't raised in a church. And I do know what it is to work out in the world. Now, granted, I'll give you this. The world and the morals are worse now than they were when I was working out in the secular field. But I remember what it was like. And I had some experiences and some conflict and so so forth. But what did I do? I fell back on the principles of Scripture for my place of peace for my answers. And it made all the difference in the world. Colossians 3.22, servants, here it is again, obey in all things. That kind of covers it, doesn't it? All. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Notice in all things. This means the things you don't mind doing, and it also means the things you do mind doing. But if you're asked to do them and it doesn't violate Scripture, we should obey it. We should do what we are told. And you notice, how is it to be done? It is to be done first. It's to be done with respect. Going back to Ephesians 6. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. It is to be done with respect, not with eye service. Eye service simply means you're doing it because you are being watched. Once you're not being watched, you stop doing it. That's eye service. You do it while, no, we do it whether we're being watched or not. We are to do it. We are to be diligent. We are to do the best job we possibly can do. With eye service means, in other words, you don't really work hard all the time. You only work hard when the boss is watching. Bosses know when it's eye service. You know how? They walk into a situation, everybody scatters. That's the way it goes. They're like roaches when you turn on the light at night, okay? Now, you don't have much of that up here, but down in Florida, if there was a house that was infested, okay? I used to work pest control, believe it or not, for a time, certain time period. Oh, how did that go? You don't want to know. Unless you want to be grossed out, you don't want to know. But I could go into some houses that had lots of bugs in them, and you go into a room and you turn on the light and they go running in all directions. Kind of like some employees who don't want to work. Servant, be obedient. With respect, okay? With respect. You remember years ago, I don't know if it still applies. It's probably true for five days a week now. But years ago, people used to say, find out when a car was built. You don't want one that's built on Monday, and you don't want one that's built on Friday. Why? Because people have hangovers Monday morning, and they're not doing their job well. And Friday, their mind is on the weekend, so they're not doing their job well. Well, that gives you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Of course, character is so far ratcheted down nowadays, just don't buy a car. But isn't that a sad commentary on the human race? That's a sad commentary. So it is to be done when we obey our bosses in all things. It is to be done with respect. Secondly, with sincerity. You see the word singleness. The word singleness means sincerity. In other words, you're focused and are devoted to your job. 
You're in this with both feet. You are committed to doing the best job you possibly can do. That's what singleness has to do. And then the third one is unto Christ. Do we realize that our work is actually an act of worship towards God? Have you ever thought of your work that way? Boy, that makes all the difference of what you're doing. If you're doing what you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ because you love him and you want to honor him, I'll tell you what, folks, that makes a big difference in your work. We do what we do for him and his purposes. Back to Ephesians 6, verse 6, it says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God, you notice, from the heart. From the heart. That means you are really engaged and wanting to do the best job you possibly can. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So it doesn't matter who your employer is, whether you like them or not, whether it's a he or she, whether they're younger or older than you, whether they're liberal or leftist or conservative, we do the best we can do. By the way, by the way, let me just throw this in today. If you work for a Christian, don't take advantage of that and be carnal and think, well, they're Christian, they're brother, sister in Christ, they understand, and then do less of a job than you would if they were lost. That's stealing. That's what it is. It's stealing. You're taking advantage of your employer because they're a brother or sister in Christ. Or you're, let's say you work for somebody in the church here. Boy, I'll tell you, be careful of that because that can really turn into a problem when you're part of the same body. No, listen, folks, we ought to do our best job regardless of whether the person's saved or lost, whether they're a leftist or a conservative or liberal, regardless, do the best job you possibly can do. As unto Christ, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord, not to men. Verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Do we understand that everything we do, if we're doing it for Christ, will be rewarded for that at the judgment seat of Christ? Think about how wonderful that is. You mean to say I could do a I'm working for somebody and I can do a nasty job or whatever. And if I do it with the right attitude as to the Lord, I'll be rewarded for that at the judgment seat. Yes. I thought that was only for people who witness and win souls to Christ. No, any good work that we do for Christ, for him, will be rewarded for that. By the way, Daniel was an excellent example of somebody who worked in the secular world, but was outstanding. And his testimony was so great he had a profound effect for those he worked for. Joseph is another one, by the way. Let me hold your place here and look with me over to Daniel chapter 6. Let me show you this. The goal of the believer in the workplace should be this. I am going to be the best employee I can possibly be because I'm doing it for Christ. It is a reflection on my Savior, on his character, on his character. Let me ask you this. If Jesus is working for your boss... Would he badmouth him behind his back? Would he stab him on the back? Would he steal from him? Would he tear him down? Would he be ungrateful? Would he be whining and complaining? Would he do a half-hearted job? It's one answer. Never. Never. He would always do the right thing. Daniel 6, verse 3, it says, Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him. 
And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Talk about job promotion. Then the presidents and princes, okay, the other ones who weren't the way they should be, sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. They didn't like him. They were jealous of him. They didn't like the promotion and and how he was seen in such positive light by the king. And so they thought, you know what, we need to do something to undermine this guy and, 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 you know, get him fired or get him thrown in jail or whatever. They just couldn't find anything because he was such a good testimony. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3. Here's this wonderful attitude that we should have. Colossians chapter 3 in verse 23 It says, and whatsoever you do, years ago, we used to have a a banner in the lunchroom. By the way, our our lunchroom used to be the learning center. As a matter of fact, we'll even put it in reverse. When we first moved into the building, the nursery was the learning center. And then it moved to the lunchroom, and then we added on the, the second part of the building, and then the learning center, which is still where we have it, that became the learning center. But anyways, I said all that to say this. We used to have a banner. And it said this. Every job is a self-portrait of the one who did it. Autograph your work with quality. Isn't that good? Every job is a self-portrait of the one who did it. Autograph your work with quality. That is the way we as Christians should live. That is the way we should work. And that's Colossians 3.23, really. When whatsoever you do... Do it heartily as to the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So this is the way we should live. Now, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, because we're going to cover the less than ideal workplace, the less than ideal employer or boss. What if your boss is an unreasonable man? Unreasonable man. Years ago, one summer, I worked uh, at a, uh, I, I worked my way through Bible college at public supermarkets. In the summertime, I would transfer down to South Miami because that's where my ministry was, and it was just easier for me. I didn't have to go to classes during the summer. School was out, college was out, so I would transfer down. Well, there was one public supermarket in particular that I liked working at. It was just convenient to where I lived and all that. It was the closest one, and so I thought I would work there. Well, that, the several years I did that, one of the bosses I had one summer, he was an unreasonable man. I don't know why. I hadn't changed. I was still me. I still was committed to doing a good job. But for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe he didn't want me to transfer down to his store. Maybe he didn't want to make room for me in that store. But from the get-go, this man seemed like he had it out for me. And he was looking and trying to find some area that he could criticize me or, or whatever. I was flabbergasted. I'd never worked for anybody like that. I'd gotten along with people that I wasn't even supposed to get along with. I'd had managers and people say, oh, you don't want to work here. This guy's a monster. And I get working for him. It's like, hey, I like him. I mean, he's a man of principle, you know. Anyway, 
I worked for this guy, and, and I remember one day, you know, he, he was busy up front, and he wanted me to bag groceries. I was bagging and all of that. Well, one day, I can remember that a customer came by, and back then they didn't put fruit juice in plastic containers. You remember? It was all glass. Well, just on the other side of the registers, I'm bagging, just on the other side, I hear this clink, crash like that. I look, and one of the customers had broken a glass jar of prune juice. Now, we won't go into a lot of detail about prune juice, but you know it's a little slippery, okay? It's not like apple juice. Apple juice is sticky. Prune juice is kind of slippery. So I'm thinking, this is dangerous. So he told me, I want you to, I want you to work up front and all that. Well, what I did was I saw that and I immediately thought, somebody's going to get hurt. Now, I personally would have, if I was the boss, I would have thought it was wonderful that somebody had the thought to do this. But what I did was I realized it, so I left my post and I went to the back as fast as I can because there wasn't anybody around to do this. So I'm thinking, people are going to get hurt. And I went and I got a mop and a bucket as fast as I could and I got up front as fast as I could and I cleaned up the mess. Put it back, I came up front, and he just, right in front of the entire front end of the store, just chewed me out like nobody's business. What did I tell you to do? All this kind of stuff. I said, I understand. I said, but there, would, there was a potential serious accident in the back. I don't care. And all this kind of stuff. Man, I'll tell you what, I was kind of shaken up by it. I'm not used to that. And so he kept looking. He kept looking for things. Well, by the time the summer came to an end and my time at that store was, was done and I was going to go back to the college and the store closer to the college, things had toned down a little bit and I found at the end of that time I'd won his respect. For whatever reason, he still, I don't think he liked me. I don't know if it was because I was a Christian and he knew it or what, but at least I'd won his respect. But I was happy to leave that. But until, folks, here's the point. Until I left that job, I did everything I could possibly do right. Because I thought, you know what? For whatever reason, I don't, he doesn't want to get along with me, but I want to get along with him. And I'm going to honor God's word, and I'm going to do the right thing from that point. Okay? Anyways... I don't know why I shared that with you, but it's an important thing. There are times when you work for somebody who's not reasonable. Okay? I was trying to save lawsuit being filed against the store, and uh, he, didn't, he didn't see it. And, but I, you know, I explained it to him, and he, he just blew it off. He just blew it off. I'm thinking, okay. Anyways, the lady with the prune juice was happy. We got her a new one, and I cleaned up the mess. Here's the point. What if your boss is unreasonable? 1 Peter 2.18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. Now, that's an interesting word. We don't use that very often today. Froward. It means crooked or twisted. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. The Greek word is scolios. Sound familiar? Scoliosis means you have a twisted spine. That's where we get this word, okay? A twisted boss. You work for a twisted boss. Yeah, that describes him. Anyway, you work for a twisted boss. And what does God say? 
Be subject to them. Be in submission to them with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, verse 19. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. There you go. For what glory is it if you be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and you suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow in his steps who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Write this down. Ridicule handled properly over time turns into respect. Ridicule handled properly over time turns into respect. Maybe you're ridiculed where you work because you're a Christian. Don't fight back. Handle it properly. Be godly. What does it say? If you suffer wrongfully, you take it because Jesus went through that himself. You respond in the right way, even though they're treating you in the wrong way. You always do the right thing. Many times it turns into respect, but it must be consistent. It doesn't always. Some people are just jerks through and through, and that's unfortunate. When you are yielded to the Holy Spirit and are following your responsibility to obey and work hard, God will honor your faithfulness. Yeah, but pastor, what if things keep getting worse and worse where I work? Well, then prayerfully, you can look for a new job. There's nothing to keep you from doing that. But while you're still there, while you're still there, you be the best employee you can possibly be because that is what God wants you to be. That is God's will, and he will help you be the best employee you can possibly be. He'll provide the grace and strength to do that. Yeah, but it's just, it's such a bad environment, okay? That's going to lead us in just a couple minutes to the last point. But let me, let me cover something else in the meantime. We understand the responsibility of the employee, but what about the employer, okay? What about the employer's responsibility? Go back to Ephesians chapter 6. And in verse 9, it gives us the answer. And you masters, employers, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. What about if you're the employer? What should you do? You need to treat your employees fairly. Treat them well. Be kind to them. Listen to them. Okay, be open to them. If they have suggestions, listen to those suggestions. If they have a suggestion, okay, maybe there's merit in that. Maybe what they're going to tell you is an observation that's actually going to benefit your place of business. You know what, folks? I believe this. If you work for somebody, you should on a regular basis tell them, say to them, I just wanted to mention to you, I appreciate you letting me work here. Say that to your employer. And then you can help them up off the floor after they've passed out. Because usually they don't hear that. But let me say this. If you're an employer and somebody does something that is beneficial to your company, 
or wherever you work, and you're the employer, and they do something good, let them know that. Praise them for that. Say, hey, you know what? I just want you to, I just want to thank you for what you did. That was such a blessing, what you did. That was such a help to us. And that was, that was, it's going to benefit everybody. Thanks so much for doing that. Boy, that helps them. I'd say, yeah, they'd rather have a raise. Well, if that works out, that's okay too. But at least verbally thank them, right? Everybody wants that. See, not everybody's a Christian, but everybody wants to be treated in a Christian way. Did you know that? Everybody wants to be treated in a Christian way. Even atheists want to be treated in a Christian way. They just don't know it, but they do. We again see the accountability of those in authority to the Lord. See, again, no one has unbridled power and the right to abuse. No one has the right to abuse. Everyone will give an account one day to God. Now, here's the last point and maybe the most important, because if this one, folks, is in place and this one is our driver, a lot of this other stuff will fall into place. It is this, number three, you must embrace your ministry at the workplace. You must embrace your ministry at the workplace. Don't lose sight of the main thing, okay? The Lord will bless you for doing what is right regardless of how your boss treats you, but mistreatment is no right for you to take a situation into your own hands and lose or ruin your testimony as a Christian, Once you lose your testimony, it's a huge uphill battle which you never may win. Your testimony as a Christian is vital. Once people know you're a Christian, you might say, well, I just won't say anything. That's wrong. People ought to know we're Christians. Don't go around, though, you know, being obnoxious about it, but sooner or later, they should know you're a Christian by what you say, how you carry yourself, what you think about, what you care about. That's going to come up in natural times when you're on breaks together and so forth. And once they know you're a Christian, you know what? They're watching you. Lost people know Christians are supposed to be different. Did you know that? That Christians are supposed to be above the mix? Lost people know that. That's why Jesus said what he did in Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, the souls of men are more important than my working conditions being just right. The souls of men are more important than my working conditions being just right. One of my goals when I was working in the world was to have such a work ethic that when I left that job, they would offer me an open door to come back if I ever needed a job. Now, with the exception of maybe that one boss that I had, who was always looking for something for whatever reason, who knows why, with the exception of him, that has been true every place I worked after that. Now, I know the workplace has changed in some ways today, and there's all kinds of weird stuff going on in the world in which we live. Listen, you can't control the circumstances, but you control your response to the circumstances. Do the very best job you can. Some of you have left jobs for another job and so forth, and I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have told me, you said, you know what? I was amazed. When my last day, I said goodbye to the boss. I thanked him for having me there. And he said, hey, if you ever need a job again, 
come back. Wow, you know, I love hearing that. And you know what that is? That's proof that the Bible principles work. Make yourself a valued employee. Another goal was to open doors of ministry opportunities with others. I tried to do the very best I could do so that it would open up a door of ministry. Okay, listen, you go on a break, somebody else goes on a break at the same time. Okay, let's say you're a guy and another guy goes on. Just say, hey, what do you, you know, uh, are you going out for lunch? Or what you, yeah, I'm going to do this or, or whatever it may be. Or no, I'm just going to be in the break room. Okay, well, I'm going to go there too. And think in terms, okay? Is there an opportunity there? Look for an opportunity to share the gospel, to have an impact on them. You might say, oh no, can't do any of that at work, can't do any of that. Well, maybe they have strictly forbidden it. But you know what they can't control? You saying to your friend, hey, why don't you come over at our place to eat? Or we're going to have a cookout. Why don't you come over to our house? See, we ought to always be thinking in terms of, okay, I'm going to be a godly testimony so that people will see the reality of Christ so that they'll see that where I stand as a believer through my godly testimony, and then I'm going to ask God to use that to open up the doors of sharing the gospel with them. These things go together, folks, and it can make work an exciting place because you see it as a mission field, not a pain. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Paul was writing to the church at Philippi, and he said this to them, only let your conversation, and the word conversation means your manner of life, the way you live your life, your testimony. Only let your conversation be as it becometh, is worthy of, the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast with one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. My testimony, the way I live my life as a Christian, should be something that enhances or goes along with, is in harmony with the gospel message that I believe. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, my life should manifest that to the world around me. This is the way we're supposed to live. Turn with me one more verse, Acts chapter 16. Turn with me there. Perhaps you're here today, and I want to ask you a question, friend. Maybe you've never been asked this before. Can I ask it? It is this. If you were to die today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? You know, there was a time in my life when I'd say, No one can really know that. But that's not true. You can know that. You can know that. Because going to heaven is not based on, even though we talked about how important it is to live a right kind of life today, that's not what gets you to heaven. You don't go to heaven by living in a Christian way. You go to heaven by believing something about Jesus Christ. What is it? Well, let me explain this to you. Let me illustrate it. If this were to represent you and me, or our sin. This is you and me. Here we are. We all are sinners. By the way, that's why there's conflict. That's why there's suffering, because of sin. Yet God loves us. He hates our sin. We're all sinners, but he loves us. He hates our sin. Do you understand that God loves you? He loves you, but he hates your sin. He wants you to live with him forever in heaven. But to do that, your sin has to be gone. He cannot let one sin into heaven. And yet we're sinners. So we've got a problem. We're separated from him. Now, God says, if we 
die with our sin, we'll be lost forever, separated from God forever. And there's no second chances to that. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. Now, people get the idea that, okay, well, the way I get to heaven is by doing good things. Go to church, give money, get baptized, keep the commandments, all these things. But that doesn't take away the sin. It says this over here, for by grace are you saved. You notice how you're saved from hell to heaven? By grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's believing something, isn't it? And that not of yourselves, you're not saved of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. Here's the truth of it. Because we're sinners, see, no matter how much good you do, it will not take away your sin. We need a payment for sin. We need, we need a way to get rid of this. Well, that's why Jesus came. If this represents him, God in the flesh, he came into the world. And when he went to the cross, he went to the cross to die for our sins. He took all of our sin upon himself. All your sin, he took it. And he paid for it, so you don't have to pay for it by spending forever separated from God. Jesus took it upon himself, and he made the payment. He was buried, and he came back from the dead three days later. We're celebrating that in a few weeks. And he says this, if you will believe, that's what faith is, believing. If you will believe that he did that for you, if you will believe that he's paid for all of your sins, The moment you do, he gives you everlasting life and you go to heaven by what he did for you. It's not what you do for him, it's what he did for you. In Acts chapter 16, the Philippian jailer asked the question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here's the answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I'd say that's that's, that's it, yeah. You notice it doesn't say believe in his good. Belize gets baptized, believes and goes to church. No, none of those things will help you get into heaven. It's what Jesus did on the cross that gets you into heaven. He paid for your sins so you don't have to. Now, if you don't trust Christ as Savior, you're rejecting the payment he made and you're responsible for your own. But if you believe that he's paid for all your sin, not only what you've done, but what you'll do to the day you die, paid for it all, If you believe in him, if you trust in him, he'll give you everlasting life today. And you can know you're going to heaven. Why? Because you can't go to hell. All your sins are gone. So what's going to send you there? Nothing. So would you today put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? He wants to save you. He wants you to be his child. He loves you. He wants you to live with him forever in heaven. And it's a gift. All you need to do is receive it. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.